Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about how to create compelling content and campaigns, even in highly regulated industries. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Diana Lee, co-founder and CEO of Constellation. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Greg. It's, it's great to be here today. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you. Uh, why don't we get started with you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing at Constellation. Sure. Uh, I'm, the, I'm Diana Lee. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Constellation. We started Constellation seven years ago because there was such a need for making creative in a personalized manner for all of the different types of paid media as well as organic channels that marketers were actually using. But it was taking so long to make the content and personalize that content because everybody was doing that manually. So what we basically did is a lot of the Fortune 500 companies have global libraries. What we're able to do is take the content from the global libraries, localize it, personalize it based on the audiences and the different types of customers that they want to segment, and then reload it to all the paid media channels for them to do segmentation of localized creative. That's great. That's great. Wonderful. Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive in here. Connecting marketing content and campaigns with customers is challenging for any brand, but certain industries have regulations in place that can make it even more difficult. While anybody who works in an industry like financial services, healthcare, or other highly regulated industries will already have an understanding of some of these challenges, there are a few areas I want to focus on before we talk about some of the uh, solutions and opportunities. So we'll talk about scaling content creation in a minute, but first, uh, there's the challenge of creating content across multiple platforms and the human error that uh, can be introduced, which uh, compounds the risk for highly regulated industries. So how does a platform like Constellation account for and solve for this? Yeah, Greg, that's a great question. So just in the very beginning of Constellation, we never meant to actually be a modular content system. We always thought that we were actually doing digital media advertising. Very quickly, when we were working in, auto, in the automotive industry, we came across the need to localize and personalize creative. So what ended up happening is by making all the localized creative, so language, demographic data, background images, all of that is being done manually. And then now you take in colors, fonts, 
uh, disclosures, and then you have different types of disclosures by every single state, the complexity of launching advertising was incredibly hard. And so what we were able to do is develop a platform that's end-to-end that handles the compliance complexities of getting ad approvals through the compliance teams. Usually they're lawyers in pharma and healthcare. It's the MLR process and automotive. There's billions of dollars being you know, spent with compliance teams. And typically it's an army of lawyers or regulators that have to look at an ad unit And they have to determine from a human eye whether the font size is correct, whether the colors are correct, whether the disclosures are correct, the messaging, the images. And they have to do it efficiently, but it doesn't usually happen efficiently, right? So that process in automotive was probably taking anywhere from two to, you know, two weeks In pharma, it could take over a month getting through the MLR process of going back and forth of having things, you know, go to an MLR person who basically looks at the content and then has to determine yes or no by just looking at it. And so when you think about that and you read all of the news right now and you hear about what's happening with AI, predictive modeling, generative models where basically images can be done in seconds time. These industries, they don't even have the data to actually say which ads they should approve or not approve because a human is still doing it. And that's where we said, this is completely inefficient. In healthcare, we would get a a lawyer that would then say, oh, there's a difference between the words proven and shown and demonstrated. And then next week, they would say, yeah, you know what? A, B, C is approved. D is not. Oh, I changed my mind. A is not either. And so from a marketing perspective, it's completely subjective based on the lawyer that you have that's approving the ad units. And it should never be like that because font size, colors, images, That is all rule-based. And if it is all rule-based, where is a self-contained area that has all the rules of what ad units would get approved or not based on all the different types of paid and organic media that's being actually spent for a brand? And that's where we got involved. And we said, let's take the subjectivity out. And 90% can be an objective decision. Yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting. And so definitely, uh, I've been through some of those challenges from a, from a compliance standpoint, working a, a, quite a bit in financial services and, and healthcare. Personalization, of course, makes this even more challenging because now, you know, we're not just talking about A, B, C, and D variants. We're talking about many variants, right, for, for many audiences. And so, you know, how do you how do you look at scaling then in in these types of environments? You know, again, beyond beyond a few variations, but you know, many many variations. Yeah. So, based on all the different variations, our modular content system is able to produce the creative immediately, right, within seconds time. And so, once we know, we take a data feed of basically what they want to produce. So, if in auto and automotive, the data feeds are usually based off of offer iteration, like pricing, right? Because there's all these different 
models, there's different prices of vehicles, and then all of it is different based on options. And then disclosures are always different because of different states and different laws for every single state. So once we know what those rules are, we then ingest it into our system and then immediately we can send it to compliance where compliance can look at a template and say, yes, so the image, these are five images that we can approve. You can mix and match them with logos, with this type of text, with this type of message. And that can be all prearranged through the templating system, which will allow you to mix and match certain images with certain text, with certain disclosures. So if I'm going to do it website versus landing page versus social, it can mix and match all those dynamics, and then it can resize it all at the same time. Now, if I wanted to approach doctors versus patient population, we can even do that because the, the imaging can actually change based on who you're going to approach. So if it's an HCP community, you might want to have images of other HCPs if it's a patient community, it might be just patients that look or patient stories that might actually be better when you're marketing. But all those dynamics can be rule-based once you actually go into our system. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So based on the you know, rules-based system and and all of these variables, it sounds like there's there's a lot of of good controls there and um, in place for, you know, so the, the lawyers are happy, the, the, the compliance people are, are happy. What about the, you know, the creative director out there listening? You know, I, I, I think, you know, in general, there's a lot of anxiety about AI these days from, you know, in, in certain, many sectors, but, you know, let's, let's talk about the creatives out there, you know, how do they have confidence that their, you know, creative vision is still going to come through that, you know, the machines aren't going to compromise their, that, that part of it either, you know, even, even though it may be compliant and, and according to regulations. Yeah, these are great questions, Greg. So the beginning of Constellation, I had artists that we had hired, right? Because we actually weren't doing it through a machine or automation or AI in the very beginning. We had artists and all these artists would come to me and they would quit after like a year or two. And I would be like, why are you quitting? And they said, I didn't go to Pratt and Parsons and the best art schools of the world in order to do banner advertising all day. I quit. And the reason I bring this up, Greg, is when you talk to artists, they want to do original content. They want to do shoots. They want to make stories. They don't want to do resizing, personalization of right. assets. They don't want to do that work. And at the end of the day, if they did, I wouldn't have had so many of them in the beginning quitting. And so that's when we realized we need to automate a lot of the grunt work of creative up front because nobody wants to do that work. They didn't go to these schools in order to offer banner advertising all day. They did it because they wanted to shoot beautiful story content. So what our system does is we take the original content, the beautiful content that they um, make, like a creative director will make a beautiful shoot. 
And now we can make iterations of that creative for the different segments, but it's all being done through a machine. And we're resizing it all based on the formats that they want to use, whether they want to go on Meta or YouTube or um, in the regulated industries, it would be like Medscape. It would be proximity, but each one of them have to be resized in the manner that they need. This will do it all for you in real time. That's the first part. The second part, Greg, is really generative AI, which is what we do now also. So generative AI allows us to actually put in text and then the images come up in real time. What we find is background images are almost perfect. So I could actually type the words a sunny day in San Francisco, and it's going to give me like, you know, a hundred variations of that. And then as a marketer, I can basically pick that image that I want to put on the background before all of the regulated content that needs to go above that content of just background imaging. But what we find is We can't get enough photos and pictures because humans can't take enough content, right? Overall, they can't produce enough. And when you go on platforms like TikTok or Meta or any of these uh, social media platforms, it's going to ding you if you keep using the same pieces of creative. You have to switch it up because what we notice is that audiences, clients, People that are engaging on social media platforms, they want new content. They don't want to see the same thing over and over again. That's why they keep scrolling, right? Because they really want to see new and authentic content. Well, people cannot produce enough of it. And so that's why we're able to make background images with generative AI in real time and then represent the regulated industry. But we're not shooting original content, which is what the creative artists really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you make, you make great points, um, here and, and sort of, it aligns with a lot of what, what I think a lot of people are, are saying about AI from, from the optimistic standpoint is that it really is, uh, allowing creatives in this case to do creative work and not drudgery. I mean, I know, you know, back, Back in the day, very, uh, very early in my career, I, I was tasked with making banner ads. I think it was, you, they had to be like 27K GIFs or something like that. And, you know, like pixel by pixel editing and all that stuff. It's like, this, that's not what I went to school for and what I, um, what I wanted to do in my, in my career. So, you know, to your point, it's like it's, it's helping creatives actually focus on more strategic creative work. And it's getting machines to do stuff that they're really, really good at and, and better than humans at. And I think, I think everybody wins in that scenario. So yeah, I, I like the way you frame that. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up. And their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. 
If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com slash agile, that's partnerhero.com slash A-G-I-L-E, to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. So one thing I want to talk about too, in, in addition to this, is the, the measurement component of this and you know so we're creating all this all these variations and and all this content um, we want to make sure that it's that it's performing so constellation recently launched a new AI data analytics dashboard called Aurora um, that offers some uh, more in-depth insights into the life cycle of a prescription medication and the doctors prescribing them to enable smarter decision-making and enhanced marketing campaigns. Can you talk a little bit more about Aurora, how it came to be, and and, uh, maybe some of the problems you were trying to solve? Yeah, I think what we were trying to solve is when we spoke to, and I'll give you an example, we had a pharmaceutical company come to us. And when we analyzed all the different types of HCPs that they were marketing to, they got the same marketing material. And almost every pharma that we speak to, they get the same marketing material. So this is where I would say that they're not spending efficiently. And how I would say it, Greg, is like what we find in the data sometimes when we analyze HCP data, we'll find out that a female doctor from the ages of 27 to 34 are the ones that would convert in writing scripts if they got a social media ad. We also found out that when we ran some of the predictive modeling, that a male doctor from the ages of 47 to 54 will actually write a script if you basically give a sample. And then another part that we found out is typically that conferences are not actually attended by younger physicians. They're usually male physicians over the age of 60. Now, this is very important because when you look at pharma, they treat all of those audiences identically because every single HCP will get the same ad about the drug. What we're basically saying is based on the format that they actually are the most engaged in, that is the format that you should use in order to actually make that creative. So why target a 60-year-old male doctor even on Meta, if they're not on Meta, right? Right. But we're spending money inefficiently if we're not able to target them in a way that it would pinpoint the best way that we could spend those marketing dollars. Another thing that we did through Aurora was social listening. So almost every pharma does social listening. But how does that impact the marketing and the sales of what the pharmaceutical companies are working on. Typically, it just gives you some sentiment, but it drops off from there. So what we basically did was we took all of the deciles from the pharmaceutical company of HCPs from zero to 10 that they already had. We went through all of the social media, social listening data. What we found were that there were certain HCPs that over had over 100,000 followers that they already had of other HCPs that were following that disease state. And that was a decile zero 
to the pharmaceutical company. So let's just take migraines, for example, right? So let's look at all the HCPs in the migraine space. When I looked at the speaker events that, that were actually speaking at the events for the pharmaceutical company, it was really based on who was prescribing the most medication of migraines. It was not based on who was the most influential to speak about the migraine medication, which would have been the biggest influencers of migraines on social media that already had over 100,000 followers that were following them that was interested in hearing what they had to say about the migraine space. So there is a perfect example. That was a decile zero to the pharma company. And we said, that person should be a decile 10. And so that is some of the things that we do very differently is without using predictive modeling and really understanding exactly how to approach the audience based on the format that we should approach them and based on the different types of medias that they would be engaged in, we're making the same decisions and treating everybody the same. But the monies are completely inefficient when you spend it that way. Yeah, yeah. How do you see something like Aurora being applied to other industries and, and other use cases as well? I think exactly the same way. We as marketers can become so much more efficient if we knew who our customer profiles really are. So imagine a world where basically based on certain subsets of information. So I could say a subset of information might be um, the doctors that attend speaker events. If I knew who they were, and then I could find like audiences to attract more of them to come to my, my conference, then I would make that decision based on that information. Instead of me just sending out pamphlets and information about the speaker event to all the HCPs, what a waste of money. So imagine, like, say if I spend $5 million on sending out that brochure information to all the HCPs, but in reality, the only people that really attend are male doctors from the ages of 60 to 65. Right. I could have actually spent 200000 and just approached that audience. Or I could have found influencers in a younger demographic of HCPs and then segmented those doctors and then ask them to speak at the next event and then find other HCPs that were already following them on social and invite them to the event. That is a lot more efficient. And still, I would be spending 200000 instead of $5 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, the, the ROAS return on ad spend uh, <laughs> metrics would be through the roof at that point. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's yeah. Absolutely. So what do you, what do you see as the next evolution of, of these technologies? You know, what's coming next that, that you can share for a platform like Constellation? I think what I'm very interested, Greg, is really video content at this, this point. And the future really is, and I know this is going to be a little scary, and I am probably going to scare some audiences out there, but I'm sure you've heard of deep fake videos, right? Yeah, Where yeah. It looks like the image, it sounds like the image, it looks like the person, but it's not really the person, right? And so what we are interested in really in the regulated space is the ability to take the image of the person. It could be an avatar, but it also could be a salesperson 
and then they record one video. And from the one video, we decide, hey, there's five different types of messaging that we want that salesperson to make to the different HCPs that they already know. And then they sign a release that these are the five images uh, or the five messages that they would approve. And then we basically put that into action. And now we actually have videos of the person saying five different messaging without having to record that five different times. Yeah. So I think that obviously there are a lot of people that would scam the system and they would take advantage of technology like this, you know, because it's a little scary. Like they could get a video recording of me and then all of a sudden they would be able to put any type of messaging, call my parents if they wanted to pretend as if it was me. And that's probably happening now in the future. So I think um, spam is really scary already, but it's going to go to a whole different level. But if you think of the way that it could be applied in a good manner, if we're able to actually put compliant ads that regulatory would pre-approve by knowing what the messaging is going to be and knowing the people that are going to speak, then the messaging can be created in real time. And that is so interesting to me. So if an HCP met with a sales rep who just left their office, now whatever conversation they're having, they could now email them content based on that in real time and they don't even have to record it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I, I look at all this and I mean, you know, maybe I'm a, an optimist or, or naive or, or both, but you know, I, I look at, you know, what 20 some years ago, Photoshop freaked everybody out. Right. And, you know, we were so scared that, you know, these, these, Photoshop is going to, you know, change the, sorry, Adobe, but you know, Photoshop was going to like ruin the world. And now like, it's pretty easy to tell when a photo has been edited by, let's say, you know, someone that maybe is on the novice end to intermediate end of, of, um, photo editing. And so, you know, I, I look at it this way of just like, you know, I think what you're talking about makes a lot of sense. And when, you know, it's, it's not a deep fake if it's, you know, sanctioned and there's, there's approvals and it's being used to, you know, not to nefarious ends and things like that. And I, I do think, I, I think that people are going to catch up with being able to spot things that are nefarious and, and all that. Cause they have, they're, you know, they're, they're able to spot Photoshop, you know, badly Photoshopped images a mile away these days versus, you know, 20 years ago. So, you know, I think, it's, we, we need to use technology for things that are going to help people. And if, and if this helps people, then, you know, we also, we need to be working to protect and do things in the right way. But, um, no, I, I think, I think that's super interesting and, and certainly seems like, like the next evolution to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited because I'm almost every client of ours is always looking for cost efficiencies. Like, yeah. They can't spend the monies that they're spending right now. So even in pharmaceutical, people cannot keep spending the monies that they were on TV advertising. And we're already so behind on digital advertising, not because they can't do all these things, but the amount of time it takes to get ad approvals live because of the whole MLR process. That's what we're saying is like it's so inefficient and we have to get 
better and faster in a way that it co- is, you know, cost effective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Diana, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, one last question before we wrap up here. You've given a lot of great advice already, but you know what's what's one piece of advice that you would have for those marketers in highly regulated industries who have some concerns about scalability of their content? A lot of the things that we we touched on here today. Where should they start with with making some steps towards improving scalability? I mean, the things that I have come across is that when I speak to a lot of these marketers in the highly regulated space, they have already designed a manual way in order to get through even getting all of the ad units approved. And what I mean by that is there's a self-contained area that they have all of like disclosures, but, you know, depending on what state that some of these uh, ad units they have to launch, they know where to go to for some of the information. So what I would say is if there's a way for them to really collect the information in a rule-based manner so that it's all segmented, then they already have a lot of what it takes in order to launch. And then, you know, what we would need is the ingestion of that information. And then once that information's in, then it would automatically dynamically generate the content in real time. And so that's some of the things that I would say is that they already probably do it and they already do it in a way that's already frustrating to them. But many of them have come up with like a homegrown method (laughs) and they're just doing it all manually. I would say like try to automate some of those processes and it will make it faster for them overall. Nice, nice. I, I may have seen one of those homegrown methods before in my <laughs> in my career. So yeah, de- definitely agree. Lo- love that advice. Well, again, I'd like to thank Diana Lee, co-founder and CEO of Constellation for joining the show. You can learn more about Diana and Constellation by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkillstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.